Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is April the 1st, and our chapter for today is 2 Samuel chapter 12. David has sinned against God. Uriah is dead. Uriah's wife is pregnant by the seed of the king of Israel, who stayed behind and sent someone else to do the work that God had assigned to him. And now he is reaping a bitter harvest. As we open chapter 12, he's confronted by his chief spiritual advisor, the man of God, Nathan the prophet. Then the Lord, all capitals, the covenant God of Israel, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who is omniscient, who knows it all, the one who is omnipotent, all-powerful, and the one who is omnipresent. He is everywhere. There is nowhere where he is not. Even he sees what no one else can see. This God sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said to him, there were two men in one city. Now he's telling him a story, a parabole. It had a message to it. There were two men in one city. And he started drawing the distinctions. One rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. No wonder he was rich. He could have had anything that he wanted, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, that is one lamb that would be his future, one lamb that would control his destiny, one lamb that would bear the sheep. And so the scripture says that ewe lamb he had brought up, he had bought it, he had nourished it, and it grew up together with him and with his children. In other words, it was part of the family. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. That lamb was precious to the man. It was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb with all that he had. He had all kinds of lambs. But he wanted one that he didn't have, and he took it from the man who only had one, the precious lamb that he'd loved, he had fed, he groomed, he had prepared for, that was going to be his future and his destiny. He prepared it for the man who had come in. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, The man who has done this shall surely die. How lame that translation. David looked at Nathan with fire coming out of his eyes and said, Ben Movit, he is a son of death. Death will be his destiny. Death is his father. He will not live another day. He might as well go ahead and kill himself because he is a dead man. As soon as I find him, I'm going to kill him. 
He deserves to die, taking that little precious lamb from that man when he could have had any and already had many, many beautiful lambs. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing. And because he had no pity, he had no mercy. There was no chesed in him whatsoever. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Now, as you can see, the R, A-R-E, is italicized probably in your English text. That means it's there to make sense. It's not in the text. You, the man. You. You is the emphasis. You are that person. You're the man. Oh, my. Oh, my. King David caught. And the Lord God of Israel said, I anointed you king over Israel. In other words, God wasn't finished yet. He said, David, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house. I gave your master's wives into your keeping. Gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. In other words, God went down through the litany of and the catalog of the gifts and the blessings and the outpouring of heaven and his grace upon him. And he said, why have you done this? Why have you despised what I said? It's as though you disdain what I said. You know this. You know you're not to covet another man's wife. You know you're not to have an adulterous relationship. You know that you are not to bear false witness. You know that you're not to murder. You wrote this out with your own hand, David. Now, for your information, I personally believe that David had that in some kind of mezuzah, what we would call a mezuzah today, the same thing you put on a doorpost. I believe he had a box around his neck. Why? Because he was to keep it with him all the time. That would have been the easiest place and closest to his heart if he wore it around his neck. Because the great lawgiver Moses in the book of Deuteronomy and in Torah said, when you get into the land and you ask for a king, see, God knew they were going to do that. Then he said he has to write out a copy of the 10 words with his own hands. He's got to write out the law with his own hands. So David had written with his own hands what I just said to you and more than likely put in a box and put it around his neck. That means that he either had to take it off and put it on a table to have sex with her or it was around his neck when he did it. But I can tell you this much. It was in his heart. He just stuffed it down, suppressed it. Whatever is the case. He said, David, you've done this and you've despised what I told you to do and not to do. You have done evil in my sight. Now listen, David, you killed Uriah the Hittite. You killed, you have killed Uriah. He didn't say Joab did. He didn't say someone else. He said, you have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You say, wait just a minute. Well, no, you wait just a minute. God hasn't finished yet. You have taken his wife to be your own wife. You have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. He said it was an Ammonite that killed him. It was in the Ammonite's hand, but it was your hand behind his hand. David, I see it all. I know it all. I know what happened. I know your heart. I knew what you were trying to do. Could God have stopped him? Yes, but he didn't simply because David had to learn the hard way. 
and we're still reading and learning the hard way today. This is crushing just to read this. Now he said, there's going to be consequences. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you've despised me. You've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the son, this son that you're now enjoying, for you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the son. And indeed he did. When Absalom came in, he had sex on the rooftop in the open bright sun, just as God said he would do. You see, David did it behind closed doors. David did it under cover and under the covers. But God was going to deal with David openly. Now, Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Boy, isn't that an act of grace? Isn't that a stroke of mercy? However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed from his house. Oh, my Oh my soul. My, my heart is heavy just reading this again. I don't know how many times I've read this, but my heart is so heavy just reading it again. Oh, what David must have thought. What that night would have been like. What David must have felt before God. The Bible goes on to say that indeed the Lord struck the child of Uriah's wife that she bore to David, and it became ill. Can you imagine seeing that little thing suffer? David therefore pleaded with God for the child. Oh, God, please take me, no doubt, he said. David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. Well, he was so weak he couldn't even walk from guilt. So the elders of the house arose and went to him. And, of course, they tried to get him to eat, and finally the child died. And they said, how can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm here. There's no telling what's happening. He's not been himself. When David saw the servants whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servant, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went in the house of the Lord and he worshiped. He worshiped God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe Job said that with tears streaming down his face, not with some silly grin on his mouth. I believe that he understood that God is sovereign and God always wins in the end. And he always does that which is right. And so he went in the house of the Lord after he cleansed himself and cleaned himself up. He went and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested that they set food before him, he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while the child was alive, but the child has died. You rose and you ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, That is, in his heart, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Now, I don't want to get into all of election and the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. But I believe that all children, babies that are born, 
I believe until they reach the age where they know their right hand from their left and can discern spiritual truth. I believe they're safe in the arms of God. You say, well, how would you believe that? Why would you believe that? Evidently, David did. I would say he was a man after God's own heart. And the Bible says that he did all things that pleased the Lord. Just keep reading and you'll read this. He did all things that pleased the Lord, except in the matter of Bathsheba, who was Uriah the Hittite's wife. Just because David messed up did not mean that he was a bad theologian. Just because he messed up didn't mean that God was finished with him. Just because he messed up, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Oh, you can. I can. But God will not. And hallelujah, praise the Lord, he hasn't. God is the God of second chance. And God can use us in spite of our sin because he's greater than all of our sin. Grace is greater than all of our sin. Grace, grace, marvelous grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Marvelous grace. God forgave David. He set him up and gave him a brand new destiny, a brand new life. And the scripture says that he tried to comfort Bathsheba by having sex with her. And that is in the Bible the way that Rebecca comforted Isaac. And here David comforted his wife through this wonderful thing that God's given to men and women who are married in a covenant relationship called sexual intimacy. And the great comfort and reception and receiving and unconditional love was poured out on each other. And God blessed them with a son and he was called Shlomo. We say Solomon, Shlomo, the one that would build the great temple of God. But God loved this boy. God loved this boy. Aren't you glad that God loves the children? He loved Solomon especially, and he said, I want his name to be Jedidiah. Jedidiah, beloved of the Lord. I want you to read, if you would, Psalm 51, which is the prayer that David prayed before God after he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, Psalm 51. It's a prayer of confession. And then read Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is not in sequential order after Psalm 51, but it was written after Psalm 51. It is praise for cleansing. Psalm 51 is a prayer of confession of David. Psalm 32 is his praise for cleansing. That's right. God cleaned him up. And he so gave him a new start that from then on, he directed him with just the look of his eye. Read it. Enjoy it. Pray it. See God's face. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.